This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. We are in the middle of a series we're calling The God of So Much More. We'll actually be wrapping this up here in the next week. But we have been looking at God's permission for us to believe him for more. Ephesians 3.20 says it this way, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church forever and ever. We believe that we serve a God of more. And this year, as a church, we are pressing into the more of God for our lives. Say it with me. More in 24. We're believing God for more in 24. I know it sounds cliche. It, it rhymes. But it really is true. God is giving us permission to really expand our faith and to really believe him for new and for more things. And for some of you today, that might include miracles, that might include healings, that might include a new job, a new relationship, a breakthrough, whatever it is that you're believing God for this year, we want to come together as a courageous people, those who have the hope, healing, courage, and life of God in them to believe God for more with you. Does that sound pretty good? How many are thankful for a church that's willing to believe God for extraordinary things? A church that's not willing to settle for the mundane or the ordinary, but to believe God for audacious things. We are a people that are passionate about prayer. And one of the things that we like to do when we pray is to ask for big things. And I believe that God is not put off by us asking for things that are extraordinary or unusual or audacious. And so I want to encourage you this year and right at the start of the year, I know it feels like we're already almost to March, which is crazy, but right at the beginning, the first half, first quarter of this year to really press into faith, to really press into believing God for more. And last week we talked about the God of more hope. And I encouraged you to get your hopes up again and to be a people that have a lot of hope for what he wants to do, not just now, but in the days ahead. Regardless of election outcomes, come on, regardless of the wars that are happening in the world, regardless of COVID outbreaks or whatnot. And some of you actually, we got a, we got a text message from a team member today who's out with COVID. So be praying for Lori, everybody. But regardless of what comes, we have a hope that is eternal, that is anchored to the person of Jesus, and we believe that he has good things for our life. Do you believe that today? Do you have that hope and that expectation in your heart? Well, today, I want to kind of shift gears and talk about love. I know this week was Valentine's Day, and so it's sort of appropriate, if you're a pastor in a pulpit in America, to talk about love on Valentine's Day week. How many of you guys had a fun Valentine's Day? How many uh, boyfriends or girlfriends or spouses? How many of you did something kind of special for your significant other? For those of you that are single and ready to mingle, you'll just have to bear with me for a moment, okay? But for those of you that are in a relationship, how many of you took Valentine's Day as your opportunity to tell that other person how much you love them? All right, I'll be honest. Jason is is notoriously bad at Valentine's Day. You can ask my wife, Candace, right? My brother was in town. We were snowmobiling. We were snowboarding. We were living it up. And so I definitely owe my wife a night out. Amen. And all God's people said amen. But whether you, you, you celebrate Valentine's or you see it as just another commercial opportunity to spend money on chocolate and wine, come on, somebody. It doesn't matter. Because God has given us each and every day to tell each other and our lovers and spouses and seeing others, how much they mean to us, how much we love them. When my wife and I were dating 20 years ago, um, we've been together since 2002, so almost 22 years now, we used to leave each other little love letters, little love notes. My, my wife used to come to the place that I worked at and she'd put them on my car. Anybody ever do that? Like leave a little love note, a little, little love inscription for your, your girlfriend or boyfriend? Yeah, isn't it cute? Isn't it sweet? 
How many remember being in school and like getting that Valentine, will you be mine? Yes, box, no box. No one ever put the maybe box, but. <laughs> and the idea is that you, you, you share with that person how much you love them, how much you care for them, why they mean so much to you. And in the same way, I, I think that God has actually done the same for us as his people, as his church, as his bride. He's, he's left us a very amazing love letter, probably perhaps the greatest love letter ever written or never told. We call it the Bible. And even though we don't always read it, <laughs> it is God's love letter to us. It is God's message of love for humanity and for the world. How many of you guys like love stories? How many of you like our romantics? It's okay, this is a safe place for your feelings and your emotions. <laughs> there, I saw a couple of hands go like this. They were like, I don't really want everyone to know, but I want the pastor to know. Like, so how many of you like enjoy romantic movies or, or love stories? Okay, now, if you grew up in the 40s or 50s, for some of you older ones, uh, maybe, maybe your, your love story was Casablanca. Anybody remember that one? That's a good one. It's a classic, right? Maybe you, you lived through the 60s or the 70s. You had a lot of different movies to choose from. Maybe love story was, was your flick, right? How about you 80s kids? Remember, remember the 80s? Anybody grow up in the 80s? The 80s were fun. How about Princess Bride? Any Princess Bride fans out there? Yeah, come on, Wesley. What's not to love about that guy, right? He had it all together. How about you 90s kids? 90s was kind of owned by Titanic, wasn't it? Jack and Rose, the love story eternal, right? I'll never let go, Jack. Just holding on. 2000s. All right, now we're around in the corner. Some of the younger ones are like, come on, get to my decade, Pastor Jay. 2000s was all about the notebook. How many of you remember the notebook? Oh, yeah. Gosh, we probably watched that, what, 100 times? Yeah. But how about my personal favorite, the 2008 classic, Wally? -E. Yes, Eva and Wally, -E, the, the love story that was meant to be. I love those movies. Those are fun, right? But as wonderful and as entertaining as those are, as it turns out, you and I are actually at the center of a much better love story being told, a much bigger story, a bolder story, a story where God comes to rescue and save the people that he loves. First John chapter four, verse nine through 10 says it this way. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son, Jesus, into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. I want you to circle that word or highlight that or swipe that in your Bibles. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Today I wanna to talk to you about real love. And love as the way we see it defined by scripture, not the way the world defines love, not the way Hollywood defines love, come on. Not even our current culture's definition of love, but God's definition of love. And I wanna look at just three amazing ways that I believe God, the God of so much more, loves us. Are you guys good with that today? Here in 1 John chapter four, we're presented with a really carefully defined term for love, and it's the word agape. Say it with me, agape. Agape is considered one of the purest and highest forms of love. It's self-sacrificing love. It's love that bears no record of wrongs. It's love that triumphs over evil. It's love that's uniquely tied to the character and nature of who God is and what God does. As we'll see in just a moment, God is love, and therefore God loves us. Jesus actually says it this way, and I like his his uh, definition for this, the way he puts this in John chapter 15, verse 13, he says, greater love, here's that word agape, 
Greater love or agape has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Agape love or the love that comes or emanates from the heart of God is real love. It's love that's demonstrated by sacrifice, by willing to prefer another over yourself. Husbands, this is what you do for your wives. This is the reality that you're called to, to lay down your life for your wife the way that Jesus laid down his life for the church. That's how you love your bride, amen? And for some of you, you need to do better at this, myself included, come on. Wives, this is how you love your husband. You submit your life before him, you, you serve him. And in this way, you show him agape love. Together, what are we doing? We're, we're serving each other in the love of God. And that's actually what God calls us to. The standard or the high bar that he sets for love is agape. Now, John is here kind of articulating this. And what he's saying is that this is what Jesus did for us. Like Jesus actually, in, in saying this, would go on to demonstrate that he was willing to lay down his life for another. This is agape love. On the, the flip side, we, we have eros love. Eros is the Greek word we get the word erotic from or erotica from. It's, it's sexual love, it's physical love, it's, it's physical desire. And it's the kind of love that typically dominates our screens these days. It's what you see on Amazon Prime or Netflix, right? It's Eros love. It's all about who hooked up with who and who's sleeping with who and who's attracted to who. And typically this is the kind of love that we celebrate during Valentine's Day, Eros. In fact, the Greeks and the Romans worshiped the god Eros, the god of love. And they had a nickname for the God of love, for Eros. They named him Cupid. So that's actually where we get the word Cupid from. I don't know if you knew that. So they would worship this God of love, but it was all about sexual attraction, sexual fulfillment, sexual desire. Eros is what we typically see put on display this time of year. But biblically speaking, Eros, Eros love was created and designed and fashioned for marriage for one man and for one woman. That might be controversial to some today, but this is actually what Jesus advocates for and alludes to in Matthew chapter 19. Listen to what Matthew 19 says. He says this, and he, he points back to, and is actually quoting from Genesis chapter two. So let's read Genesis 2, 24. But here's what he says. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast, some, some translations say cling, and cling to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Say it with me, one. One flesh. Verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Come on, somebody. They were naked and unashamed. Eros love is supposed to happen when you're naked and not ashamed. The problem with sex outside of marriage or outside of the way that God fashioned for it to flourish is that it's impossible for you to be naked and unashamed. Marriage is the only arrangement, the only construct, the only thing fashioned by God where you can be naked and not ashamed, where you can literally enter into a relationship where there's zero shame. Now, for some of you that come out of broken relationships or have a broken past, listen, this takes work, it takes communication, it takes trust. I'm not saying it's easy. And for anybody that's been married, you know this is not easy. But it's the only thing designed by God to contain Eros love, to help Eros love flourish and prosper in your life. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but in our culture today, it's, it's, very, it's very common for us to try before you buy, right? The Netflix and chill, the, uh, the swipe right, that, that dominates our culture, dominates what, what we see and, and how we experience Eros love, but it's not actually what God intended for us in terms of human flourishing. So I believe that Jesus invites us to something more, something bigger, something better. And we see it here. When we bring our romantic feelings and our Eros 
love and desires into a covenantal relationship with our spouse, we can experience the protection and the provision and the blessing of the Lord in that marriage, which leads me to kind of my first point today. Number one, God loves us faithfully. He loves us faithfully or covenantally. The biggest misconception I think we have of God's love and how he loves us stems from our lack of understanding covenant. Covenant is a very important topic. It's actually kind of the theme of the whole Bible if you look at it. And we've taught on this in the past in this church, but just to kind of keep things simple today, covenant is, is really about God's promise to remain faithful to you regardless of whether you remain faithful to him. It's his promise to remain steadfast in his love towards you even when you're caught up in the arms of other lovers, other attractions or affections, idols or things. God chooses to do this. Nobody forces God's hand. No one forces him to do this. He's not coerced. He does this out of the goodness of his heart. He chooses to do this. Listen to what Deuteronomy says. I like the way this is framed for us in chapter seven, verse six through eight. It says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love upon you and chose you. For you were the fewest, some say the least of all. You were the least of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. We, we see here that God has set his love upon this special people he calls Israel, this people that he f decides to choose to love, that nobody forced his hand to love. And God chooses them and he binds himself to them in an everlasting covenant, a covenant of love. And in doing so, he chooses to remain steadfast to them even when they turn away. He chooses to remain faithful. And there's this beautiful word in the Hebrew. It's the word chesed. And here's what it is. It's kind of difficult to perfectly translate, but this is what it basically means. It means the unfailing, faithful, and reliable love of God. The unfailing, faithful, reliable love of God. The chesed of God. David actually writes about it in the Psalms. Psalm 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He who forgives all of your iniquity who heals all of your diseases, that's for somebody today, who redeems your life from the pit, that's for somebody today, and who crowns you with steadfast love, chesed. Covenant is how God demonstrates his love for us, like a faithful husband who chooses to remain faithful to his wife even after that wife has cheated on him. He's committed to her, he's loyal to her, he's faithful to her no matter what she's done or what mistakes she's made. And People of God, that's all of us. All of us who were yet dead in our sin, who were yet unfaithful to the ways and things of God. God still chose to love. God still to, chose to bring us into an everlasting and new covenant so that we could experience his life and his steadfast love as well. This is how God chooses to agape us. He goes to the cross. He sends Jesus to the cross to demonstrate his unfailing, reliable, steadfast Chesed, his love for us. And the result is that then we can learn how to love others the way that God loves us. That we can learn how to love our spouses the way God loves us. That we can learn how to love our neighbors the way God loves us. That we can even learn how to love our city the way God loves us. Amen? And I believe this is what the Lord needs to see right now in his church. 
He needs to see faithfulness. He needs to see loyalty. He needs to see people that are committed to his name, committed to serve, committed to lay down the rights to themselves and to pick up their cross and to follow Jesus. Amen? That's the invitation this morning. So God loves us, number one, faithfully. And number two, he loves us uniquely. He loves us uniquely. Now for you Sesame Street generation kids, this is the message you grew up with. You're special. (laughs) You're unique. You're one of a kind. And can I tell you, that's actually true. In fact, David says it this way later in the Psalms 139. He declares this. He says, for you formed my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Anybody fearfully and wonderfully made today? Turn to somebody and say, you're very wonderfully made. All right. The truth is God has uniquely created us and fashioned us within our mother's womb. He's intricately knit us together. And this is what David's speaking about. This is what he's declaring here, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that there's nobody else like us, that we are unique, that we are the handiwork, the craftsmanship of God himself. This is what Paul would later say to his church in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. I like the way the NLT says it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he's planned for us long ago. Did you know that in Christ Jesus, you are his masterpiece? Turn to somebody today and say, you're a masterpiece. You're, I'm just giving you guys help today, okay? It's Valentine's week. I'm trying to help you out. You're a masterpiece. Turn to somebody and say, did you know I'm special? Did you know I'm a masterpiece? Some of you are looking at me right now when you should be looking at each other. Come on, you two. There you go. Just trying to stoke the flames of love in this place. (laughs) God wants us to understand that we're his masterpiece, that we're unique. And in the same way, he loves us uniquely the way that only he can. The way that is unique to the way that he created and fashioned each and every one of us. Now, as a parent, I can relate to this because I'm learning how to love my kids uniquely. I'm learning how to love my son Liam, differently than the way that I love my daughter, Cora. Now, I love them all equally in the sense that I love them, but I'm actually learning how to uniquely love them, meaning I'm learning what's appropriate and unique to them and the way that God's created them, the love languages they speak, the things that they're excited about, their likes, their interests, the things that make them different. And let me tell you, they're very different. Right now, I got teenagers. I'm learning how to love teenagers uniquely in our house. And it takes a little bit of grace and patience. So pray for your pastor, amen? Amen. But this is how God loves us. He loves us like a parent. He sees us as a loving father and he studies us and he watches us and he, and he cares for us like a shepherd cares for his sheep. That's one of his names. Yahweh Ra'ah, the shepherd, the one who looks after, the one who provides. But he's watching us so that he knows how we are and the way that he's fashioned us and created us within our mother's womb so that he can uniquely love us the same. Proverbs 22, verse six echoes this. Train up a child in the way that he or her should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from it. We are uniquely made in the image of God with both gifts and callings that are unique from God. As a result, God knows how to love us uniquely in the way that we should go. The way that we should go, meaning there's a way that's appropriate to each person that was designed by God for them to grow in. So I don't force things upon my daughter that are different than the expectations that I have for my son and vice versa. I love them uniquely because there's things that are for them uniquely in the way that they should go. Do you get it? Are you tracking with me today? Now, sometimes this doesn't always 
feel like it's true, but God has a wonderful way of helping us uniquely understand and love each other when we pay attention, when we're actually aware, when we're present. And for some of us, that's a challenge, just to put down our cell phones and to become present enough to study that other person, to, to love our spouse, to notice our kids and to see the way that God's intricately designed them. That's the way that God calls us to love and, and that's how he loves us uniquely. Number three, God loves us intentionally. Friends, God loves us intentionally, meaning he loves us on purpose. He loves you on purpose. There's no accidentally in love with God. You don't just fall into love with God. No, there, there's intentionality, there's purpose. Your father in heaven loves you intentionally. He's made a decision, a conscientious decision to love you, to send his son to come and take away your sins so that you can know him and experience who he is. This is the way 1 John chapter 4 frames this for us. But going back to verses, verse 7 and 8, it declares this, dear friends, let us continue to love each other or love one another for love comes from God and anyone who loves, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Our world is eager to declare to us that love is love, but the Bible says God is love. And the problem when we get it backwards is that we have to look to God, we have to look to his character, to who he is, to understand what real love is all about. And that's what the Apostle John is inviting us to, to consider how God wants to be known how he wants to be experienced. See, when we come into this place and we sing, we lift up our voices, we worship, we're, we're entering into a relationship with a God who can be known, a God who can be experienced. He's not just out there beyond the Milky Way, as the song used to sing. No, he's here, he's present, he's involved, he's intentional. He steps into our world and he does so through Jesus. He puts on human flesh so that he can be known and experienced and touched and seen and heard from. He wants us to know this kind of love, love that puts on flesh and walks among us, love that's experiential, not just theoretical. See, there's a big difference between what I know of God and what I know about God. I know that up in those mountains exists some great places to ski or snowboard, and I can know all sorts of information and facts about those lifts and the way they operate and how, many, how much snow we got and everything else, but there's a difference between knowing about that and then getting up there and carving that sweet powder and knowing it, right? There's a difference between knowing God's love theoretically, knowing facts about him, and then actually knowing his heart. One of the things I love about David in the scripture was David was a guy that was super messed up like me and like you, but he was a man after God's heart. He pursued knowing God's heart. He wanted to be intimately acquainted with his ways. It wasn't enough for him just to know stories about God. In fact, it was not enough for him to know stories about God's presence. He's like, I gotta go get the presence and I gotta bring it into my city, into my dwelling place, the place where I reside, the place where I live. I wanna be acquainted in that way with God. And so he goes through great lengths to do that. And of course, some of you who know the story of read your Bibles will know that, that he was despised for the ways in which he celebrated and, and, and made the, the love and the glory of God famous in his generation. But he was a man in hot pursuit of the Lord's heart. He was a man who was desperate for the presence of God, who was hungry for God, who wanted to know God, not just know about God. Amen? And I think this is a part of the way that God loves us. He wants us to be loved in a way that we can know him and, and experience him and understand his heart for us. 
For some of you that don't know the heart of God, this is the invitation for you today, to step into love, to step into a relationship where you can experience God's love for you. And the good news of what Jesus has done is that we can't earn it, we don't have to buy it, we don't have to try to ascend some hill or mountain, no, he comes to us. And he comes to us in the person of Jesus. He comes to us and removes the sin from our lives so that we can know his love and experience it afresh each and every day. We are the product of a loving God. This church is the product of a loving God. You are here not by mistake, not by accident. You are here because of a loving God. A loving God who determined when you would be born and to whom. Acts tells us that he marked out the boundaries and the generations of of humanity so that even our, our time on this earth was measured and intentionally the product of, of God and his love. Isn't that cool? Now, for some of you, you might've felt like you're an accident. Maybe your parents, you know, slipped up or whatever. And you're like, I was a mistake. No, you weren't. God knew what he was doing and breathing life into your mother's womb, the moment of conception. And I think the beautiful thing for, for us to remember is that we are here because God wanted us here. You're the product of a God who wants you here today. That's pretty cool. It's sobering, but it's also humbling as well. So God loves us uniquely. He loves us faithfully or covenantally, and he loves us intentionally. He loves us on purpose. This is how God demonstrates agape love, real love, his chesed. He puts his love into action. He takes away our sins so that we can experience newness of life in him. And so that we can start to love others the same way. Because the real invitation for us when we experience the agape love of God, the real love of God, is for us to begin to embody it ourselves. And for some of you, this is your personal challenge this year, in the midst of all the, the political chaos and confusion and stuff that's going on in our world, to not get wrapped up in the hype, we talked about that last week, but come on, to anchor ourselves to the love of God, to the love of our savior, Jesus Christ. When we do this, when we, we step out of what I call flirtation mode, we stop trying to date and flirt with the Lord and we come into a, a, an actual covenant with him. We actually begin to love him faithfully the way that he deserves to be loved. We, we start to love him uniquely the way that he deserves to be loved. We start to love him intentionally the way he deserves to be loved. And the result is that we can then love others the same way. We can then love our spouses uniquely, faithfully and intentionally. We can love our kids. For those of you that have kids that only Jesus loves, come on, to love them uniquely and faithfully and intentionally. How about our city? To love Salt Lake City faithfully and uniquely and intentionally. That's the invitation. And that's the result of a God who loves us. This is the goal for us today. I wonder if I'm talking to anybody that believes that this morning. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you for your love today. Thank you that you are the God of so much more love. You're the God of real love, agape love, has said this steadfast, unfailing, unwavering, reliable love. You love us despite ourselves, despite the mess that we often make of our lives, God. You love us on our good day. You love us on our bad day. Lord, somebody in this place today needs to be reminded of how much you love them. And you love them so much that you went to the cross, that you took on our sin, our iniquity, our offense, our shame, our guilt, you bore all of our sickness, all of our disease. You took it all so that we could then receive your righteousness, your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace, your love. So Lord, for that person today that doesn't know you, we never wanna end our time without giving you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So if you're in this place today, you're watching this message online, listening to this podcast in your car, 
I just want to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer that we pray often here at Courageous Church. It goes like this. Jesus, Savior, save me. Save me from the mess that I make of things. I believe, I confess that you are the Son of God, that you went to that cross for me, that you died in my place. The greatest display and demonstration of love was that you willingly took my stuff to give me your goodness. I speak your name in this place. I declare it on my lips, in my heart. Come and give me a new life. Today, give me freedom, give me hope. Fill me with your Holy Spirit all the days of my life. I will trust and follow you in the mighty name of Jesus. And for that person today that just needs to be reminded of how much God loves them, maybe you got caught up in something even last night and you're just kind of feeling the weight of that today. He wants you to know how much he loves you. God, we thank you for that love today. We thank you that you see us, that you love us uniquely, you love us intentionally, you love us faithfully. So Lord, help us to do the same. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said amen and amen. Hey, if you made that decision today and you said yes to Jesus or you just like prayer or you want to be baptized in a few weeks, we're going to be doing some water baptisms, which is pretty amazing. Fill out that connect card. Go to courageouschurch.com slash connect. Let us know how we can come alongside you and serve you. If you want to take some next steps, we'd love for you to join us next week for our next steps party. You can go to courageouschurch.com slash next steps to sign up for that. Give us a head count so we know how much food to prepare. And otherwise, stand to your feet. I'm going to ask Pastor Cass to come and, and speak a final word of blessing over you today. Amen. Awesome word. He is the God of love. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.